0: So what I want you to do is I want you to look at the very last section Stephen just read. And then we're going to go back to the very beginning. So we're going to go to the end to get to the beginning to understand some of this lesson here. And he says this. Talks about them being citizens, Talks about them being together. Talks about him standing firm in one spirit. Still on that unity like it was when we were reading the letter of the Ephesians. Contending together for the gospel. Not being frightened in any way of your opponents. And I'm reading all those things. I want to make sure we understand that evidently this is a response to something these people had either asked Paul about or wrote a letter to Paul about or, or word had gotten back to Paul about while he's in his house and on house arrest and, and chained to these Roman guards. He says, I don't want you guys afraid of your opponents. I don't want you guys worried about the signs of destructions that are all around you. I want you focused on your salvation from God. For it's been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Evidently, they were writing and they were worried and they were confused. They were like, man, well, you're suffering and you're like God's greatest guy. Is there something we need to be aware of? Is there something we need to be worried about? Is there something that's not going right? Since you're engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had and now hear that I have. They've heard that Paul's in prison. They've heard what he's going through. They heard things ain't exactly great. And then you go back to verse 12. And here's Paul's response evidently to some questions and things that they had. And it says, the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. I don't know about you, but there's some things in life that just suck. Right. And he's saying some of the things in my life right now that that, that are kind of sucky, that ain't really going well, that I don't really like, that I wouldn't have I wouldn't have changed, but also would not have chosen. They're happening for the furtherance of the gospel. So if you guys have this concern and you have this worry and and really it goes back to our intro last week, we talked about what happened in Philippi the very first time he was there. The last time Paul went to prison. You guys remember this in the book of Acts? We just talked about last week. The last time he was there, miracles happened. Chains were rattled, doors were opened, uh, people were set free, and all this stuff. So, so as history tells us all that, we shouldn't be surprised that these Philippians are hearing this thing and they're wondering, man, what? Well, if the last time you got in prison, God just rattled chains and opened doors and you got set free, how come you still on house arrest right now? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you ever? Are you open and honest enough? Maybe you guys are just too holy to. To get there, but have you ever been honest enough to say like it doesn't look like what I think it should look like, and I don't understand why, and I want to ask why? You you ever been there? Y'all just so holy, y'all don't ever have that problem, or you're just liars and you don't ever want to admit you got that problem. That's where these Philippians are. They're they're in a situation where they're looking apart. They're like, man, the last time, the last time I prayed, God delivered. The last time I cried out, God God solved the problem. The last time you were in prison, he shook the earth so hard that doors opened and chains fell off of people and you were able to just walk out. But but this time, this time you're still chained up to that old hairy Roman guard. This time you're still locked in a house. Remember we talked about it last week how much more cruel the the Romans were than we were. While you're on arrest, they're not feeding you. They're not supplying your needs. Your friends and family better bring you something. Paul, last time you were in prison, we didn't have to bring you nothing to eat because the Lord just rattled everything and set you loose. This time, man, we got to bring you something to eat. we got to make sure you're, you're, you're you met this. We're wondering, Paul, what's going on? Paul says, this is all happening. I want to assure you. I want to make sure you stay focused. This is turning out to further advance the gospel. While Paul's in prison, just to let you know in the next letters we're going to go into, which who knows how long it'll take us to get through this one, but we've done Ephesians. While Paul's in prison, he wrote Ephesians, he wrote Philippians, he wrote Colossians, and he wrote this letter to, 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 to Philomen. And, and he's got all these four letters going, and it's hitting hard on the Philippians that they don't understand what's going on. And Paul wants to make sure so they understand, guys, just because God's not delivering me from my problems, doesn't mean God's glory is not getting accomplished. And you need to understand that. The the title of the the, the sermon, get focused. Or get focused. you you got to get focused, because if not, you ever... I mean, I mean, let me get some of my wiser folks. Who, who's a wiser folk that has to wear good, good glasses? Huh? You, Charlene, you're considering yourself wise? I with the wise, the wise I'm oh, you work with the wise so their eye problem has fell upon you. Alright, I got it. But if you were to take your glasses off and begin to walk around for too long, what would happen? you run into something. See, I wasn't even going to pick on the blind lady and all y'all want to look over there at Miss Cheryl. Y'all all ought to feel guilty right now. Like, you all ought to come to the altar and repent. Cause as soon as I went there, all y'all was like, just, just staring at the blind lady. She don't know we staring at her, so we're going to stare at her. I love you, Michelle. I got your back. You know what I'm saying? They're going to call you. I'm going to call them out. You ain't got to worry about it, right? But, but if you ain't, if you, if you walk through life and it's not focused, it's all a blur. And Paul is saying, Philippians, people of Philippi, I don't want you guys looking at my condition and it being a blur. I want your focus to understand like this is this is something God's going to use like th- this is going to further exam- uh, advance the gospel. I'm writing letters to the churches. I'm writing letters to to, to, to runaway slave masters. I, I'm writing letters to, to people that that need to be advanced. I'm telling you guys, this is a season that I need to be in for this time. And he writes this stuff and he gets this stuff going and he gets God's glory going. So So maybe just as a first note, maybe you should write down like, how's my focus? Paul didn't have time. <laughs> At this stage in life, to get out of focus, you know what I'm saying. Like the longer you live, the more you realize. Like I ain't got time to be fooling around with, with with the blurry things, right? And Paul saying, like I ain't got time to get out of focus, so he, so he gets focused to, to prove this a little further. Just a little mini sermon before the sermon, right? Like Jesus knew this. Jesus knew those moments were harder. So what did Jesus? What did Jesus start with? Think about his ministry. Please tell me, church folks, you know what Jesus started his ministry with miracles thank you he started with miracles so stage one of of your walk with christ is generally gonna come from a miracle but but here's what 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 christ said you remember when he's talking to his disciples and he's and he's trying to grow them up before these these miracles are happening and stuff he says well in, in essence not maybe word for word but in essence he says like once i start showing them my miracles they're gonna be drawn to my miracles right we saw the crowds that began to follow jesus and what were they what were they drawn to the miracles, the healings, the, the big things that were happening. So so you could write this down as just a free lesson from your mini sermon, right? Like there's gonna be people in your life that are drawn drawn to your miracle season. We like magic when it happens, right? Who doesn't? Right? So but the question then, and I think this is what Jesus' big worry, or maybe not even a worry since he knows everything, but but, but part of his, his heart condition, he's like, will they love me out of this season? Are they just gonna love me when I'm serving fish and loaves of bread? In that stage, or would they love me past the miracle stage. For Paul, he's in the same kind of situation with these these Philippians, and he's writing. He goes, "Man, I don't, I don't want you guys to get misled. I don't want you guys to only love me when miracles are happening. I don't want to only be able to talk positive about you. Remember, this is a positive letter. I don't want to only be able to talk positive about you during seasons of, of, of miracles. It's why we take vows. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about, right? Well, some of the, some of the more traditional vows for better or for worse." For for sickness and death, right? Some of y'all didn't even want to finish. It. You're like, well, I said the first part of the vow, and that was supposed to be enough, right? Like like you, you think about this thing for better, for worse, for richer, poorer, for sickness and health. Why? Because when you date, and you get dressed up, and miracles happen, right? Huh? Am I, am I speaking truth or not? All right. So 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 these miracles happen, and, and things are taking place. But but then as life goes on, you realize. It ain't all about getting dressed up in date nights. Right? You ever learn some of the? If you did it right. Now, if you're one of them heathens that didn't do it right, you may have learned it before marriage. Right? But if you did it right and and, and you waited to that moment where you were married and living together, like you've taken these vows and now you're learning a whole lot about that person that you might wish you didn't learn. Right? Can we be real? You ain't never lived with nobody before. you thinking, man, I really like not living with anybody after a little while. Right? But there's just things that take place. What, what does scripture say we are to Christ? We're the bride of Christ. So shouldn't we take our vows seriously? Shouldn't we make our commitment to Christ? Be like, man, Christ, I'm with you for better or for worse, for richer or for poor in sickness and in health. Like no matter what goes on in the season of miracles and in the season of moments. But before you get to season of moments, you got to have this next one. So, so you got phase one season of miracles. Jesus did it this way. Then you got the season of the message. After Jesus starts drawing the crowd, do you remember what he does? He goes up on this mountaintop. You remember? And he starts preaching. You men ought to really know it exists in, in our study in Matthew, right? He starts preaching on the sermon of Beatitudes. He starts preaching on, on, on the Mount of Olives. He, he begins to move from a season of miracles, healing the sick, raising the dead, turning water to wine, to a season of the message. And when he first starts the message, if we can be quite honest, you know, it's kind of like that tent revival, right? I guess it's on this side. When he first starts the message, it's oh yeah. But bless. blessed is he, bless bless, 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 bless. just bless the whole world. Everything's blessed. Right? It's power, it's exciting, it's it's moving, it's good stuff. But then somewhere along the line, if you follow Jesus's message, he, he starts preaching this thing about like, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no part of me. And you remember what happened that day he preached that? They got up and walked out. Jesus, the miracle worker, obviously the best preacher there is because he's preaching his own word, right? Preaches one message after gathering large crowds, thousands of people, and he gets to one serious point, and they're out. Hold on, Jesus. Now you're talking about discipline. Now you're talking about life change. Now, now you're talking about, now you talking about something's got to go on in me. So as it begins to change from the miracle to the message, the crowd begins to go down. And you follow the rest of his walk. It goes down and it goes down and it goes down. When he had the miracles, oh the crowd was up, right? Blessings were great, crowd was high, right? Start talking about discipline, crowd goes away. Same thing in churches. You want to know why some churches got so many people and it's so big? Because they probably ain't preaching all the messages they just preaching miracles. Right? And, and it gets there and it goes there. The real test of commitment is to go through different seasons. I'm all about not wasting time dating. All oh, seriously. Like if you know that's the person, don't waste time dating. I regret wasting years dating, Crystal, instead of just marrying her. Like, seriously, the only thing I could have changed was just to marry her quicker. Right? We'd have been poor and we'd have stayed in the love shack and probably never had a house. But, hey, that's all right. Right? We'd have been together. So, so the Lord didn't have a reason for it. But, but, I'm going to be honest with you. When you're talking about walking with somebody, and going through life with somebody, you need to go through all the seasons of life with them one time. Make that cycle just one time with them. make sure you don't see them in every season of life. And I ain't talking about the weather and holidays for some of you just thinking that's what I'm talking about. Right. Walk through the seasons with them one time before you you really understand it. Saying That's true. Commitment. I think as these people get there, that's what, that's what, the, that's what the words allow to happen. Like they're walking through seasons now. They've, they've gone through the miracle stage. They're, they're, they're getting the message stage. And, and every stage requires just a little bit more of you. Think about the people in the crowd. God's requiring just a little bit more of them. Just a little bit more. Of them. Just a little bit more of them. And then it comes this. Then this is what Paul is as he's writing these Philippians. That's why I want to get to it. Then comes the moment stage. Now the moment stage, here's what's awesome. Because. Go back through your little walk since we said this compared this is this is an illustration for our walk with Christ, right? Our our life. So so you got your you first get saved, your miracle stage. You know what so you, you ever saying? You ever met like some some people that really just got it and they so on fire, like there's if you're honest, again, I know some of y'all either more holy or just lost and don't know it, right? But if you're honest, like they so holy you want to tone them down just a little bit. Y'all you know what I'm saying? Like they, they poured their pancakes this morning and it made the shape of a cross, and they were like, I see Jesus in everything, even in my pancakes. You, you know the kind of person I'm talking about, like like everything, like it's booming. It's the miracle stage. It's awesome that's going on, right? And then then they start serving Jesus a little bit, and they they begin to transition out of the the miracle stage into into other stages. But you know, I I, I got to say this. I got to say this. In the miracle stage, you might have prayed for some healing, right? You, you seen people in the Bible to pray in Jesus. This hit me this week like a ton of bricks, man. It really did. Like they prayed for healing. Jesus would heal some of them. You know what happened years later? They still died. You ever thought about it that way? So if you stay in the miracle stage and you pray for grandmama to get saved, grandmama got saved, not, not, not spiritually, but well, maybe spiritually too, but grandmama got saved physically. Like she got up and she walked again when they said she was never going to walk again. Years later, grandma dies. What happens to your faith then? If that's what it was based in. Right? Oh, we don't want to amen that because we transition in stages, right? You ever know, there'll be more amens in the miracle stage than there'll be in the moment stage. Seriously. So, so, so you go a little further, right? And and I wrote it down. Well, God gave me this to write down this way so a question for myself. Are we majoring in the minor? You know you know what that means? You, you, you understand? Like Like, are we majoring in the minor things of Scripture rather than the major things of Scripture? What was Jesus doing the miracles for? What was he preaching the messages for? So that he could get to the moment stage, right? He had a plan and a purpose way greater than ours. So, so are, are you following loaves of bread and, and, and fish, or are you getting to a moment where, where where what what did what did they ask the Lord? If I could take that edge from around Job, he'll change. Let me get him in a moment where you ain't got miracles and you ain't got messages, and let me see what happens. That's the real test. The real test is even when you don't get what you want, even when the prison uh, floors don't rattle and the doors don't open and chains don't fall off and you're still sitting there just writing letters, chained up to somebody. Losing your eyesight, having problems, everything else going on. That's when you prove your commitment, right? I I wrote it down this way. This this was kind of funny to me, but it's so true. And I think maybe some of us need to get it right. Can, Can you love God when you don't like God? That sounds weird, don't it? How can you love somebody you don't even like? Right? <laughs> Dang. In case y'all didn't hear it in the back, he said, we got kids. There's some stages where you like them, there's some stages where you love them. Very rarely do those two stages go together. Right? <laughs> but, but be honest, man, think about this. In Jesus' walk, in Jesus' ministry, can you love the Lord when you don't like the Lord? Now again, some of y'all, y'all are like math. You, I always like the Lord. You're such a liar. You know what I'm saying? Like you are lying through your teeth. You do not. Let me come see me after church and I'll give you a situation. We'll get as real as we need to get. And I'll prove there's situations in life where you don't like the Lord. It doesn't change that you don't love the Lord. I'm not saying that. Can you love the Lord when you don't? I think if you say, if you ain't been in a stage where you don't like the Lord, you ain't been truly tested yet. True. True. Your wife got to drive you nuts before you know if you really love her. Chris will tell you real quick when we knew it was real. Told her straight up, I can love you like I ain't never loved nobody else because you drive me bananas like nobody else ain't never drove me bananas. Not in the good way. You know what I'm saying? Not in lighting flames. I'm talking driving you into a wall. I'm just saying it. I'm, I'm being serious. It's this moment. So the third stage of your walk with the Lord and, and, and Paul's walk at this moment it is the moments. And my fear is this. This is why I wanted to do this little mini sermon before we get there, right? My fear is that there's a lot of church people that get to the miracle stage. Some that might even get to the message stage, but they never make it to the moment stage. And that's scary for me. It's scary for me. It, re- it really is, right? Because at a, at a moment stage, let me put it this way. You get your miracle stage at church. You get your moment stage at home. Right? You, you understand? But it, it's easy to get along you know, we, was, we were singing that song together. just I heard y'all getting a little bit louder for once finally. Right. And it was good because you was with like people. Things were going good. It felt good. But what about when you get to your wits end at home? See, so you, you can have your moment stage while you're at the shop, while you're at the office, while you're at the house, while you're in the backyard. What about when you when when, when all of a sudden everything done not come crashing down and you're at your moment stage? You ever seen it like the kid runs in and almost just over there pouring tears by herself. Hey, hey, what's wrong, mama? I, I just I just had a moment. You know what I'm saying? That moment stage. It, and my fear is that we don't make it there. And, and I thought about this. We want to chalk this one up as miracle, but it's not a miracle because of the lesson behind it. You remember the night that the disciples were by themselves? They were scared. They were worried. Things weren't going right. Then they looked and they saw Jesus just walking across the water. They were in the middle of a storm. And he come walking. Now, some of you are automatically thinking, Pastor, that's got to be the miracle stage. No, because the conditions didn't change. The the healing didn't take place. What happened? The only thing that happened was this. They got closer to Jesus. Right? I mean, even poor Paul, when he did get out the boat, you're thinking there's another miracle. Now, he began to sink. Right? The only thing that helped was when Jesus' hand stuck out. And he began to pull him. Up. It was all about being the lesson was getting closer with him. And I'm just afraid that too many people, because like I said, it's it's nice with the miracles. It's nice with the with the stuff. And, and when we get to the moments, it gets scary. And I think that's what Paul's worried about. Paul's saying you Philippians, I want to make sure you stay on point. I want to make sure you get the focus. I don't want you to miss what's going to happen because you love the miracles and you love the message. But you don't love the moment. Right. And, and maybe we don't like the moment because in order to get in the moment, you've got to pay the price. You understand that as a walker, as a walker with the Lord? Like, like in order to, to get some of the moments, you've you got to be willing to go through some stuff that other people ain't willing to go through. you got to be willing to suffer in ways they're not willing to suffer. You, you, you just got to be willing to do stuff that, that other people might not be willing to do. And the level of your intimacy and your moments with God, they change it all. And for Paul, Paul's had those moments. He's focused. He's in with the Lord. And he gets to this, this situation, because if you've had enough moments with the Lord, your situations don't change you. He gets to the situation, he says, man, you can't make me doubt him. You, you, you can't make me change my view of God. You can't tell me there's no view of God. I know too much about him. I've met with him too many times. I've been with him too many times, right? He, he's done sat with me in the living room. He's done been with me in the backyard. He's done been with me while I'm driving to work. Like I've had my moments with God. And God's saying, man, this is what makes you smile down and be proud of his people. Maybe we ought to have. Maybe we'll, that's, You know, that's the whole point of praise time so you can have. Because if you've had a moment, you ought to give him some praise. You know what I'm saying? But like, like somewhere along that line, you should have been reminded of some of your moments. And there should have been a woohoo, yippity doo day and, and a skip and a half an o'clock and all that stuff going on. Seriously, there should have been. And maybe the problem is that, that, you know, you ain't had the moment. I don't know. But I think the problem sometimes and what Paul's worried about is, is the problem's not God. The problem's not the seed. The problem is the soil. The problem is the recipient. Right? And, and go, back, go back to Philippians 1 12. I got off too much on a tangent maybe, so I don't want you to forget where we were. Paul is speaking. He says, I, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel, not to stop the gospel. It, it, it's clear that, that, that throughout the whole palace garden and... It, you realize, so the Roman guards, they had this thing set up like lifeguards. They were real smart. You know, if you ever worked in lifeguards, you understand like you rotate every 15 to 20 minutes depending on where you're working at, sometimes as much as a half hour, but generally not. They do that so you don't get bored. You don't get sidetracked with, with you know, just staying focused on, on something that it becomes normal for you. The Roman guards were the same way. They would rotate so that nobody got, you know. For Paul, for Paul, I wonder how often, because he says this right here, right? The whole palace guard and everyone else knows who I am how often was it Paul was preaching to the next guy when he come in? You know what I'm saying? Like, like how, then as soon as they got there, was he about, y'all heard the brother give his testimony the other night about the hospital. And he said, every nurse that came in, he began to preach the gospel to, right? I think Paul would have been the same way with Roman guards. Like as soon as one come in, maybe they rotated them quicker because they were afraid like Paul's going to convert all these Roman guards. If we ain't careful. Right. So, so they begin to, to, to up the ante a little bit. Right. And then there's this, this, this kind of a weird phrase when you read it in certain translations, but but what he's saying is, I, I'm in chains for Christ. Like, I, I'm in this situation for Christ. And we don't like that, because we're like, hold on, if we're in Christ, like it ought to be sitting at the meal table and and, and and sitting at the recipient table and all of a sudden he says, I'm in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters, they're going to get so confident in the Lord, they're going to start proclaiming the gospel without fear. Now, now he's going to talk about a couple different groups of people right here, and I, I don't want us to get focused on, because I don't think that's Paul's, main thing right here right like he's writing saying "Man, some of my brothers are going to be encouraged they're going to go preach because they're going to see me stand up to this thing and it's going to allow them to go do this thing without fear then he says and it's also true that some are preaching Christ at an envy and rivalry y'all ever seen you ever seen like church people when another church fails and they actually get excited about it Oh, you know what I'm talking about because you're being quiet, right? They're like, oh man, this is an opportunity for us to grow if they're failing. What? What? I got asked at one of the timbers, I said, man, you, you out here recruiting? I said, recruiting for what? They said, to get, to get them to your church. This was this was somebody who I think was doing the, the same thing for his church, right? And I was like, no. No, I'm not. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you mean recruiting? We're recruiting for the kingdom. Not a recruit. What is this, like gangs we're joining? You know what I'm saying? Like, Hey, meet me after birds, and I'll give you like a blue dye, and you can drive. You know what? What? what do you mean? Am I recruiting? What? But then people get all mad when when, when membership start changing. You ever seen this? That they get upset, they're like, oh man, you are stealing members? How are you stealing people? You can't steal people, can you? Maybe you can. I don't know. Like, I'm not talking about like human trafficking or nothing. I'm talking about like church people, right? And, and, and you get this thing, and that's what Paul's saying. He goes, some of these people they're, they're going to start preaching out of envy and robbery right because they don't like me that's what he literally says he goes because everybody ma-. there's lesson one I didn't even think about that like, that's lesson one for the actual sermon in the verses forget all your message your uh or I'm sorry your miracle your message and, and your moment like lesson one is everybody isn't supposed to like you matter of fact lesson two goes right behind it if everybody likes you you're doing it wrong lesson one lesson two boom boom you know what I'm talking about right everybody is supposed to like you and if everybody does like you, you're probably doing something wrong. Paul goes on. He says, it, uh, it's true that some preach Christ out of end and robbery, but others out of goodwill. The later do it out of love, knowing that I put them there. I, oh, I like I like how he I like how he put that right there, by the way. I don't know if you guys grab that. He's saying I was put here. He's in prison. And he's OK with understanding that Christ allowed the Lord allowed him to be put here. Right. I've, I've been put here for, the, for this reason, right? This, it's not even for the decree of evil humans or, or the Romans, right? I'm, I'm, I may have been sentenced by Rome, but I'm here for the purpose of God. That's what he's saying. Because he says, for the defense of the gospel, the former preached Christ out of selfless ambition. Not, 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 not supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. He's flat out saying, like, there's some people out there that don't like me they're going to preach with the wrong motive. But hes you understand why he's excited? He's excited because at least they are preaching the gospel. Now understand this because sometimes we'll get this little section mixed up just a little bit. He's okay with the wrong motives as long as it's the right gospel. He's never okay because you need to understand by some of his later letters. He's never okay if it's the wrong gospel because of the right motives. I thought I was going to mix that up, but I actually got it right. I did, right? You you understand what I'm saying? Like he's saying, it's okay that they're preaching with wrong motives because at least they're preaching the right gospel, the good news, the right message. But later, there's going to be letters where he says, I don't, I don't care what your how good your motives are. If you're preaching the wrong thing, that's a whole other kind of ball game we've got to address. Right? So, so there's a big difference there. I need to make sure we grab that, right? For the defense of God. But, verse 18, I think it is. But what does it matter? Whether their motives are true or not. What matters is Christ is being preached. And he says, for this, I'm going to rejoice and go crazy. For this, I'm going to get excited for this. I, I am just rejoicing in this. Yes, I will continue to rejoice for I know that through prayers and God's provision, the spirit of Christ Jesus has happened to me will turn out this numbers. I eagerly expect and hope. That Greek word there is apokokadoia. And I think I actually said it right after listening to it 500 times this week. It means I eager, I earnestly expect. It's an earnest expectation. What are your expectations when you're in horrible situations? Paul is chained up to a guard in prison. We know from later writing, probably for a death sentence. And he's eagerly expecting joy and hope, it said. Right after he says, I'm eagerly expecting that, he says, I'm in no way going to be ashamed. Like they can do whatever they want up in here to me. I'm not going to be ashamed of it, right? But I'm going to have the courage that Christ will exalt in my body, whether it's life or death, don't care. Because for me to to live as Christ and to die is gain, I win, or Christ wins either way, right? Really, He wins every way too, if you if you really think about it. And then He goes, so here's what I want you to do. Because that's a lot of verses. I want you to look at verse 13 and verse 22. We're going to try to tie everything together with those two. Now they might have fit on one screen. I don't know. If not, you got two screens to look at. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ. You can sum sum 13 up with this. I'm in chains for Christ. Weird phrase, but it's what Paul's saying. Then verse 22. Now, if I live in this flesh, this means fruitful work for me. And I didn't know which one I should choose. So the second part, verse 22, I want you to say, what shall I choose? What shall I choose to be chained to? Paul's taking verse 22 and he's taking verse 13 and saying, I, I'm in chains for Christ. Like I'm not in chains for, for, for things in this world. I'm, I'm in chains for the Lord. And in verse 22, he's saying, he's saying, this was a choice. I'm choosing my chain. So of course, then you got to have a question as, you know, since we're in a sermon, what are you choosing to be chained to? But let me explain a little further how, how Paul goes through this thing, right? Because Paul really starting to sound like an old man just a little bit, right? He, he's beginning to change this a little bit. I find it funny that the happiest book in the Bible, at least the New Testament, is written while somebody's in prison, while he's on lockdown. The advance of the gospel is going on. That's kind of ironic and, and, and just weird, but, but I think that's the way the Lord wanted to preach it, and I think it preaches harder that way. Because it's easy to talk to somebody when things are going good. It's a whole other ballgame when you talk to somebody who's in that sucky situation of life and they're still preaching good, right? Sometimes it's when you're in your worst situation of life that God's going to do the most through you. It's what's so powerful and why I was so glad they took a couple couple people from, from, the, from these nice and row to, to share testimonies. I think that's why the early church, when they met, I hope you understand, like they, they literally, we have praise time, they had testimony time. Like people would get up and say, This is what God's done in my life and through my life. This is the change that's taken place. It's a true story. Why? Because you can't argue with a true story. You can sit outside and argue with me over Bible verses. You can, you can argue with me over my feelings. You can argue with me over emotions. You can't argue with a changed life. You understand that? That's why testimony is so important. Paul saying this is, this is part of my testimony. Sometimes when you feel completely limited, you feel like you're, you, you've are you lost control, right? There's there's something special that takes place. I'm talking getting beyond like that cliche Christian, like God's just going to bless you all the time and, and trivial things, right? I'm talking about like when you're in a trial, in a situation, and God just takes the steering wheel and you can't explain it. Now, I ain't talking about no Carrie Underwood either, right? Is that who sings it? I ain't talking about her. I'm talking about God taking the steering wheel. How many, how many of y'all control freaks? See if you're honest today. Five of you, right? The other 35 of you statistically, there are probably control freaks are going to hell for lying in church. Um, it's what Romans says, or Revelation says it's all right, right? Like, like if you're a control freak, you, you don't like the fact that you're not in control. So, so when the Lord takes the steering wheel in some of these moments, like, like what Paul's doing, right? Think about it this way. This has been about two decades since Paul got knocked off his horse. Right? It was made blind so that he could actually see, was 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 you know knocked down so he could be raised up or however we wanted to word all those things, right? And he's a little older now. And and in age, he's learned this lesson, right? And the first lesson he's saying that at verse 18, go back to it, right? Awesome, awesome phrase. I want to get t-shirts made for that one too. Right, we right, we're gonna have a lot of t-shirts if we ever start making all these things, right? Here's his lesson though. He's saying, He's saying, I passed the point of, of needing people to like me. Some of y'all still in a situation where you think everybody got to like you, right? You, you, you think it matters what they think of you, right? Paul's saying only one thing matters and that's my purpose. It's not my popularity. It's, it's not promotion. It's not prosperity. It's, it's not the razzle and dazzle. It's my purpose, right? So, so here's the phrase Philippians 1, 18, right? This, this has got to be our mindset. Paul's slogan. What does it matter? What Does it matter? You know how much better you would sleep at night if you had that attitude? Some of y'all lay up in bed worrying about what somebody else is thinking that don't even like you. Why give them that much power? Some of y'all lie up in bed worrying about somebody else that you don't even like. Why in the world would you want to spend your time worrying about somebody that you don't even like? You know what I'm saying? Why would you give them that much power? Like Why would you produce this much stress? Stress would really just disappear if you grabbed a hold of this phrase. Like, what does it matter? What does it matter? Paul's been beaten. He's been shipwrecked. They've called him a fake. They've called him a fraud. Yet he's still preaching. They threw him in prison. He busted out. He got back into prison. Yet he's still preaching. He sings so hard. The first time he was in prison, the, the miracles happened. The second time, miracle didn't happen. So he starts writing letters. Right? Because here's what Paul knew, and you might want to write this one down for real. You can either let your chains break your praise, or you can let your praise break your chains. Right? And, and, and Paul knew this, and Paul grabbed a hold of this. So God, God praises, go to that, that first one. This might be a little free lesson for you, right? That first one, God, he, he praises God at midnight, chains fall off, other prisoners get loose. Sometimes God going to use your situation to set other people free. Y'all think sometimes your situation is about you, it ain't even about you sometimes. Paul understood this. Paul said, it's not even about what I'm going through. It's so the advance of the gospel happens. It's so that more and more people, the Imperial Guard and all the others hear about it and get a taste of it. You keep questioning what you're going through and God's sitting there telling you, man, I'm trying to do lessons to other people through you. Maybe even your own kids. I'm trying to break down generational curses so that your kids don't have to go through what you went through. Right. Right. I'm trying to change stuff so, so that their future is brighter than your future because of this. And Paul is this old man. It's almost like he's got some swag to him as this old guy, right? And and they're writing and they've got all this thing going. And, and maybe they even told him. I don't know what they told him. Maybe they said, Paul, somebody made a fake Facebook account about you. And, and they've been posting as you, even though it ain't you. Paul, what does it matter? I don't care. They've been tweeting, Paul. I don't care. But Paul, they got that Instagram and this guy, I don't care. What does it matter? What does it matter what they say? What does it matter what they think? They ain't got no heaven or hell they can put me in. They ain't got no crowns that they can put on my head. Right? People don't complete you. Sorry, Jerry Maguire. Jesus completes you. So why do you care about what people think and what people say about you when they're not even the one that can complete you? Right? Man, I don't think y'all are getting it yet, right? What matters more for Paul is, is, is the priority. Paul's like, I, I, I'm old now and I know something, right? There's a lot of stuff that I could choose, but there's nothing, what I say a minute ago? There's a lot of stuff I, I, I might would, wouldn't have chosen, but there's nothing I would change. Any of y'all that live through life and come out as a believer in the kingdom and walk a little closer, like you can relate with this. Like there's some things I've gone through that I wouldn't have chose. But because of what happened through them, I can't necessarily tell you I would change them either. Y'all heard Crystal give my stupidity. And testimony one time we first started dating how I had like ideas of, of, of what I wanted this girl to be and, and all this kind of stuff. I'm going to be honest. She didn't meet the requirements. I'm just being honest with you guys. Right. She did. not I love her to death more than anything. And I will fight all of you at the same time for her right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, I ain't scared. And I only got eight rounds in the clip. But the rest of y'all, you know, what I'm saying? Like, like we got to go hands, hands on it. Right. But, but, but she met none of them. But I tell you right now, like I I wouldn't have changed my. I wouldn't have changed it now. Like, I'm glad I'm glad God gave me what I didn't want. You know what I'm saying? Like, you you ever been there? That's a good one. But but that's not all the time. Paul Paul said, I've been through some stuff and I've been through some breaking points. But but it was to bless the the, the gospel. It was to advance the gospel. I'm going to take some of the weaknesses I've been through and I'm going to get stronger. I wouldn't change it, but I wouldn't choose it. Some of y'all in situations right now that you wouldn't choose. You're not going to choose sickness. Don't tell me that, those of you that are sick. You wouldn't choose to have that teenage boy that didn't listen to how much you've been preaching to him over the last 18 years of life, living the way he's living. You didn't choose it. But there's going to be something from it, right? I think it's more like, I think when those moments come, it's kind of like Paul in verse 16, right? He said, I've been put here. I didn't have a choice. You, you know what I'm saying? Like I, Paul, I think Paul realized halfway through this thing, he's like, I'm not really in control. I'm saying I think that's what he's getting right, and and as he says this, it's almost like you you can picture everything changing as he writes it, because because then when he says that he goes he begins to change. He goes, well, even though I didn't choose to be here, even though I didn't put myself here, God still will accomplish His stuff through this. So it's almost like he's looking back at that Roman guard and he's saying, man, you think I'm chained to you? You chained to me? You notice the difference? He's saying like you think you've got me chained up in here to you, but I'm chained to the gospel, right? I've I, changed to advance in this thing. I, I've discovered the real joy of life and, and I'm going to run with it. My focus is set right. And Paul saying, I'd rather have chains on my feet and be free in my mind. Because the important thing and get this, whatever you put after, you ought are right. The important thing is line. Because whatever you put on that line, whatever you put next will determine what your joy is changed to. For Paul, he says, the important thing is verse 18. It doesn't matter what they say. Right. Because because if you put something else in that line, your joy is going to move up and down with that thing. Now, I know some of you are thinking that some of y'all want to be honest and, and y'all wrote the line and y'all underline it. And y'all already put Jesus down. Right. Because you're spiritual and you're holy and you got all that good stuff going for you. Why would you get up in the morning and come to church if you couldn't answer that question the right way? Right. But Paul's saying it goes further than what our words are saying. It goes into our actions. It's one thing to tell you that Jesus is next on the line. It's another thing to live like he's on the line. The most important thing. What is it? Because if it's that people like you, then when people like you, you're going to be joyful. But when people don't like you, you're going to be miserable. Right. The important thing is that God loves me. It's not what what people think. If the important thing is, is your comfort then when the climate and the environment is right, things are going to be great. When it's seventy two point four degrees. You're going to be a happy... You ever notice how many people... This ain't even about weather, but I just got to throw it out there because we live in the weirdest weather climate in the world right now. You ever notice how many people complain throughout a day this time of the year? In the morning, all of you, it's too cold. By this afternoon, right before about 4 o'clock, y'all be saying it's too warm. Right next morning, you'll be complaining the same way. Tuesday, you'll all complain because there's a cold front that ain't changing. And then Friday, it'll be back warm again, and you'll be complaining again that it's too hot. You notice that? Now, I'm not talking about weather when I say this, but when your climate is right and you're happy... Man, the important thing is not comfort. Paul says, Paul says, I'm not comfortable in these chains, but my calling is being accomplished in these chains. So it's not your comfort, you your calling. You could be in a miserable situation and still turn it into your ministry. Huh? Think about some of the places people have to go and, and, and spread the gospel and advance the gospel, right? I'm, I'm, I think he's looking for people to make sure like they understand that, that, that if you get the joy of the Lord, the world can't snatch it back. But if you got the joy in the world, man, the world can yank you around whatever they want to yank you around. Paul says, "My feet are locked, my hands are chained, but my mind, my mind is free. My mind is is open. And the mission, not my mission, but the Lord's mission, the Lord's mission is still moving forward. So I'm okay with it. What is your priority? Don't answer out loud. I'll Write it down and answer when you get on. What is your priority? And write this down with it too. You can't have God's peace without God's priorities. Because if you answer that question wrong, you need to make sure you get the second lesson with it." What is your priority? And you ain't getting God's peace if you ain't got God's priorities. Those two go hand in hand, right? Some of y'all hook your, your joy to your boss and your job, or, or 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 a person, and all this stuff. And Paul's saying, man, you you just miss it. What, what I really like, and I thought this was kind of funny, by the way, right? He's in chains, yet he's talking about a choice. You ever picture this scene of scripture? He's chained up in a house. He ain't been out for I don't know how long. He ain't getting out for I don't know how long. Guards keep switching so that they stay fresh in the mind and, and ready to watch him and all this stuff. So so he's in a miserable state, yet he's talking like he got a choice. You you, you heard what he said at the end? I don't know if I want to live or die. Paul, they didn't ask you. No, no, nobody asked you what you want to do, right? He, he puts in that choice and say I I can't I I can't choose how long these chains are going to stay on me yet. I'm still waiting. What, what's Paul really saying? Paul's saying, like, I, I get to make a choice about what happens in my response. I choose since God hasn't removed these chains yet, since God hadn't fixed the situation yet, since God hadn't fixed the relationship yet, since God hadn't given me a breakthrough yet. So I, since I'm still dealing with addiction right now, when they told me if I just prayed this little prayer, all the stuff would go away and I'd never have the urge again. Since none of that's changed, I'm going to still choose. To be okay and have joy in the Lord. Can you amen that or not? Because if you hadn't, as Paul said all week long, at least you're honest enough to know something's got to change in your life. Right? Not Paul, Scott. Paul's writing this, Scott preached that, right? Since God won't remove the chains, here's 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 where Paul transitions again. Since God won't remove the chains, I'm going to ask him to use the chains. You got a choice to make. I, I think one of the greatest gifts God gave us was the freedom to choose. Now, it's also the scariest. Don't get me wrong. But I think it's I think it's one of the greatest things right to 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 choose. And Paul's saying, like, if, if he ain't going to change the situation, I'm going to let him use the situation. You didn't know, think about current stuff today. You're like, well, I'm not changed. How's this a lot of me? Did you pick the disease? Did you choose the disease? Did you choose divorce? No, generally not. You didn't bring the divorce. You didn't bring the disease. And, and again, go back to it. I wouldn't choose it. But I wouldn't change it because God used these chains to change me. That's a lot of C's. I thought for sure I'd mess that one up too, right? Choose what you change to. Choose your focus. I, and I'm not even talking about big choices. I'm talking about like when the devil comes with little choices. Because generally speaking, it's going to start with little little, little choices. And he, Here's the saddest truth I got this week. You know the devil believes in your potential more than you do? I'm serious. I want you to think about that. You don't think you can, so you don't even try. You don't think you'll handle it, so you don't even move forward. You don't think, so you don't. The devil's so scared of your potential, he's attacking you all the time. Why would he attack you if he's not worried about you? You know what I'm saying? Why would he be trying to interrupt your, your family that's getting deck, right? Why would he interrupt you on a Sunday morning to, to get here? Why would he cause a line of traffic? Why would he make the weather? Why would he do the things he does if he didn't see great potential in you? I done coached a many of sports and many of ball games. I'll tell you right now, we we, we put key players on people we worried about. If we ain't worried about you, we might not even leave you guarded. We had double teamed somebody else in a heartbeat, right, to cover the guy who we worried about. If you going through some stuff, maybe he's worried about you. Maybe he's double teaming you right now because he sees more potential in you than you see in yourself. And, and and here's where it goes. If you read the post this morning, you kind of already know this part, right? Because what I think a lot of us don't know, and this is why I want to look at this just a little bit deeper. What a lot of us don't know is that the choices don't say choices, they become habits. Choices don't say choices, they become habits, right? You, you said what the first time? I just want to try it one time. And then you do it again. Right? I lied to my parents one time. So it made it easy to lie into the, into the future, right? Some of y'all think, well, hold on now. Is this, is this a youth sermon? No, but if somebody would have preached some of this stuff to me a lot earlier in my life, I probably would have made better choices. Or maybe the truth is, cause mom and daddy made sure I wasn't in church. Maybe the truth is I just listened a little better. I could have saved myself some of the choices, right? Hmm. So it's just a little thing and that little thing becomes a habit, right? You just do it a little bit. But you know what happens with habits? You need a little bit more of it to get the same joy out of it. It is true. No matter who you are, no matter your habit is. So, so you did a little bit. Now you need a little more. Now you need a little more. And then it becomes a habit. And, and hear me right now because I know, I know where all of you little Bible-believing Southern Baptist people are right now. you thinking sex and you thinking drinking. I want to make sure you understand right now. Some of your gossip, some of you would be better off not to gossip than to go drink a bottle of alcohol. You're killing people with your words and causing destruction, but yet you're so worried about the sins that you don't struggle with that you'll sit right there and amen when I think when you think I'm talking about sex and you think I'm talking about drinking. Right? Don't get quiet because we get into the moment. We still got some miracles that can happen at the end. The damage we do with our mouths is way worse than we can do with a bottle sometimes. For some of you, you did the bottle and then you do the mouth, and that causes a whole lot more damage. I'm not talking about whatever specific sin you happen to struggle with. I'm talking about all of it, right? But I'm, I'm going to get real with you. I'm going to use my own because I'm going to give you all my stuff that God gave me in this section right here. I'm, I'm just up front. So bubble popper, if you thought I was a great pastor and all that kind of stuff, right? I ain't worried about what you think of me. I'm worried about how the Lord changes you, right? So some of, some of you, some of you get angry you got a problem with anger. You used to just get mad. You'd have a good reason to get mad. It was a choice until it became a habit. You know what happens when choices become habits Then it becomes automatic. You come home and you're mad. You don't even know what you're mad about. Right? You with me? I'm promising you. We can walk this path together, man. You, you, You don't even choose anymore. It's your default. You come home, mad. You get to work, mad. You ain't even had a condition to make you mad or angry yet. And you're already mad. You don't even know why you're mad. What, what, did, what did Paul say in Romans chapter 7 verse 15? I don't do the things I want. I, I'm sorry. I don't do what I want to do. I do what I don't want to do. I got all them C's right and messed up Paul's book, right? You know why? Please get this. Because I heard somebody preach this thing on, on Romans and they preach it hard and they preach it good. And then they preach it like Paul was lost when he said it. Paul wrote this when he was a believer. Do you understand that? He couldn't have said it when he wasn't a believer because why would he be willing to do good things? Why would he be worried about doing bad things if he's not a believer? He's a believer. He's sold out for Christ. He's been knocked off his horse. He's the real deal. And he's still struggling. And he makes this quote. Man. He made some choices. Choices became habits. Habits that didn't seem like a big deal became a big deal and became automatic. There was just one person you didn't forgive. And then you got bitter toward everybody. I'm giving you my own, man. Come on with it, right? Bitterness was no longer just one person. You got mad at everybody. You started blaming everybody, right? It became a habit. Things didn't turn out right. Your expectations didn't get met. You blamed everybody else on it. I made a choice to complain, right? You complained before there was something to complain about. You ever met people like that? It started out you had something realistic to complain about. Now you're just complaining about everything. you complaining before there is a complaint. What does scripture say? His praise will be continually on my mouth. That don't sound like it. Huh? Now it's complaint is continually on my mouth. It's a habit. It's automatic. It becomes your first instinct. I walk in the room. I see what's wrong. It's automatic. It's sick is what it is. It makes me sick to think that some of this stuff describes some of my stuff, right? It becomes your identity. I don't want to be the person who walks in the room, who walks into work, who gets in the car, who, who goes to a neighborhood, who comes into the church and sees something wrong all the time. You know what I'm saying? Why should that be? That, that is a mess. That is a blurry focus. That is not good focus. That is messed up focus. Paul's sitting in, Paul sitting in a, in a way worse situation than I get into. Yet yeah, his focus is right. Do you see who you are? Cause we walking around like we a slave to fear and we a slave to sin and we a slave to addiction. We a slave to emotions and we a slave to all this. I'm a child of God. I shouldn't feel like that. Huh? But you made a choice and the choice became a habit and the habit became automatic. What's the Bible say? Don't walk in the flesh. The habits of the old life, the patterns of your perspective, pre-Christ. And you just keep doing it. It's pulling on you and it just keeps pulling you back. You ever seen somebody walk around with, with you, you ever seen like a dog? with one of them little spiky things in the ground. I don't even know what you call them, right? Y'all normally do them little little flu dogs. That ain't a real dog, that's a rat. But we will get on that we'll preach on that later, right? But like, like you got this little T-90 dog. Everybody just hating me right there. Like you screw this little thing into the ground. You strap a little cord to them and you let them run around. You ever seen them when they get to the end of the cord? Oh, yeah, you seen it. you seen it. I know by your reaction just now, right? They full throttle, baby. Let's go. They going backwards. They made it to the end. They got a chain on them. They wanted to run one direction. I think I pulled a handy just now, right? Like, like I'm getting old. I'm, I'm going to be like Paul. I'm going to have some old man swag eventually, right? Like. Like, like, you, you were chained down. You couldn't make it. Today's choices become tomorrow's chains. Man. Paul, and please get this, this ain't all negative. Paul made the right choice so he had the right focus while he was chained to the wrong thing. Physically. Cause spiritually and emotionally, he done chained himself up to the right thing, right? You realize Paul made a decision before there was a decision to make? That's cool right there. That hit me. Oh, man. Boom. Then I got it. He made a decision before there was even a decision to make. He decided I'm going to go into this thing and I'm going to walk it out right. Some of y'all ain't made the pre-decision. So when it comes time for the decision, you cower and you waver and you stumble and you fail. You got to decide going into stuff how it's going to be, right? Man. Paul made the right choice because of the right focus while being and switched the chain from the wrong thing to the right thing. He made a decision for the decision. Let me ask you, what are you chained to? What decision do you need to make before you even know there's a decision to make? you realize the devil didn't even come with chains? He came with choices? Think about an illustration there, right? Think about the, 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 the real life thing. If the devil came running at you with chains, what you gonna do? Fight? Let me get one of these little kids. Huh? What you gonna do? He come at you with chains, you gonna Run! He looked like the ghost rider coming at you. You know what I'm saying? Like he pulled up on a cool motorcycle. flame. I know that's what y'all picture with him, right? I know he's supposed to be beautiful, but y'all got this mindset like he's this evil looking dude. And he's got these chains. If that's the way he looked and that's the way he came at you, what you going to do? You said it. Run. Nah, he going to come at you with choices. It says that he looked like the morning star. He's beautiful. Right? He going to come in and persuade. He going to talk. He going to talk good to you. Right? He going he gonna to get that Casanova speech going, that silver tongue going. He, he going to get you right. He's not coming at you with change. He's coming at you with a choice. That's why he plants sexual addiction such an early age in a lot of our young guys. And women sometimes. You, you understand how bad that gets, right? Because if he planted that with a choice early. You know, your, your friends just wanted you to look at one picture. And you didn't look at it, there was something wrong with you. Telling, yeah, there's something wrong with me. I got Jesus inside. You know what I'm saying? But instead, we look at it and then we look again because one look ain't enough. And then years later, you get you a wife and you want to love your wife. You want to be a good man to your wife. You want to be intimate with your wife the way God intended it to be. And as you move toward intimacy, you made a choice earlier that became a habit, that became automatic. And now you can't treat your woman like a woman because you treat her like an object. Because the choices you made earlier that became habits, that became automatics you chained to a choice you made earlier. You got chained. That's why the devil attacks our kids so much, guys. He wants to get chains on them as early as he can so that he can mess up their futures. So that even when they're doing what they should be doing, he's still dragging them back the other direction like that little puppy dog trying to run away. You have you, you been chained to the devil for so long. He's been dragging you around for decades. I don't even want to go no further. I want to skip to what the Bible, the Bible says. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Ain't no need to go no further. You know what you're chained to. Ain't no need to prolong that illustration any longer, right? Let's look at what the scripture says. Scripture says, and I read it, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I don't have to spend the rest of my life being dragged around by them bad decisions. I don't have to spend the rest of my life being, being dragged around by habits that I allowed to become automatics, right? The situation can't control me. I made a choice. Did you? Did you? I don't have to stay in these chains. What what the scripture says, I know the name that breaks every chain. What a shout on words like this, man, right? Because there's people in this room right now that are chained to different mindsets, that are chained to inadequacies, that are chained to panic, that are chained to imaginations, that are chained to memories and all this other stuff. And they need what John wrote in the book of John when he said, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And if you believe that, you ought to shout like you're free. But maybe we don't believe it and that's the problem. Paul, Paul looks... He doesn't say it, but in his action, he looks. He says, I found another chain. It's a chain called grace. And the devil might have put me in here and chained me up to some Roman guards, but I'm going to choose to be chained to grace. He made a choice. He made a choice. I'm no longer going to be a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. He made a choice. Everything I've been through, my shame, God's going to use it to tell a greater story. Right? Talking last night to, to, to a man right outside. These walls. and We was talking about like sharing stuff with our kids. And I told him for me, my daddy being open and honest with me. Watching that that giant that had won two tough man contests that I didn't think anything in the world could drop. Watching him hit his knees and cry like a little baby. In a church service, watching him hit his knees and cry at a living room right there on 2069, Highway 61, watching him years later begin to share with me some of the stuff and tell me some of the stuff and be open and honest with me, using it as a testimony for me. That's what made me want to stay way away from that stuff. Now I had struggles, different struggles, but you, I didn't have that struggle. And it's because of him sharing the testimony. Now, when you're talking about your kids, at least make sure they're right to age where so they can understand stuff, all right? Don't be sharing with a six year old your addictions on certain stuff that don't need to be shared with them at six. Alright? But, but share it. Share your testimony with other believers. It ain't gotta be your kids. Share it with other people that are struggling. Man, you, you prayed the Lord would take the addiction away and He didn't take it away? Let's pray again as a group. Let me tell you, sometimes you had to make a choice. Sometimes the prayer didn't get it all done because God was gonna use the struggle to mold you and shape you better. You realize there's a stage years later where Paul writes and he says, I've been praying for this thorn in my flesh to be removed for a long time. And it's still here. Paul didn't get all his prayers answered in the church. But he stayed dedicated. He made a choice. Hmm. What do you want to serve? Because you, you're serving something. Everybody in here is chained and serving something. Paul, at the beginning of this letter, he reminded him, I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. He didn't come in. We said it last week. He didn't come in with no fancy titles. I'm the bishop. I'm the pastor. I'm reverend. I'm whatever. No, he come in. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. Because his grace is bigger than my sin. I'm standing in in, in the presence of a chain breaking God. It's your choice. It's your choice. Paul made his choice. (laughs) He said, I'm going to let God use these chains to bring forth his grace. And for everybody who's stuck in the situation that you can't change, the situation sometimes is yourself. You are your situation. Make a decision. Make a choice. And make the right one because choices become habits. Think about how much, it, some of y'all didn't even want to be in here this morning. I know it. You ain't got a lot of me. Some of y'all was already thinking if I come, he's going to preach past 12 o'clock. I know it. I knew it just because you came. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you wasn't here, I wouldn't do it. I'd end ended at 1130. But since you're here, I'm going to preach at 1230. I might still actually finish at 12. That's pretty darn good, right? Like, i will tell you, think about it. I know it. But God called you here. You made a choice to come. And what if today's a day where you can break off some chains? What if this is just a start today? Maybe not even break off. Maybe you take it off one chain and get attached to another chain. Because that's what Paul is saying. Paul says, saying, I, I'm a servant of the Lord. I'm still chained up. I'm just chained to grace. That's the biggest difference, right? What if you choose to trust God in this season of your life, in this moment? Not miracle, not message, but in this moment, right? You know, if you, you know what happens if you choose to trust God one or two times? He, like a drug, It's easier to trust him the next time. Right? I'm telling you, you won't ever hear an illustration that Jesus is like a drug ever again. I promise. You. Right? But I'm telling you right now, he is. He is. If you get enough of him, he really is. Right. You trust God a few times. It becomes automatic because that choice becomes a habit. That habit becomes automatic. Think about Paul. He first gets in that jail. Man, there ain't even a choice to be made. The choice doesn't been made. He now by habit and automatic is taking it. You find yourself not leaning on your own understanding, but all your ways acknowledging him. You realize the devil's been lying the whole time, like like everything. Your whole, your whole brain just begins to change. I'm not a slave to what they said. I'm not a a slave to what they say I did or what they did. I'm a child of God. Scripture says anyone in in Christ is a new creation. That's me. He's talking about me. Do you realize you're not a prisoner to your situation, so stop acting like it? I'm just going to be blunt. I know we was kind of ending on a good thing, but I I just want to tell you guys. I'm so sick of seeing believers with the poor, poor, pitiful me because of their situation. You are not a prisoner to your situation. You know what I'm saying? And if you think you're a prisoner to your situation, you don't miss the whole thing in the word. Right? You're not a slave to what they said. You're not a slave to, to what you did. You're not, you're not even a slave to your feelings. Maybe that's the problem. You've been letting your feelings control everything, right? You realize you control your feelings? You make a choice. Right? I ain't said it all, 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 all 45 minutes. I guess I say it now. Can't say amen. You ought to say ouch. Can't amen to of it. You ought to just sit there and say ouch. Put some band-aids on it, right? Get ready to heal. Some of this is truth that hurts, man. And that's all right. Because you can't get healed till you go to a doctor. Right? we letting too many things in our life become choices that we made wrong that become habits, that become automatic in the wrong way, when it's just so easy, if we'd have made it the right way. We could write like Paul writes. Can you imagine being thrown in jail, being able to sit down and write this letter? I don't know if y'all really pictured Paul writing these letters while he's in jail. And he's running through all kinds of emotions, by the way. We, we might have mixed, well, we don't know the order, because it was all just written in, we know know a year it was written, right? He's, run, he's writing to one church about how knuckleheaded they were, he's writing to another church about how awesome they are. But, but he's keeping everything in perspective. Has your perspective? Has your perspective? You guys pray with me. Father God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for letters like this. We thank you for times like this in our life, Lord. Lord, we are so grateful that you know so much more than we ever thought we knew. God, I thank you for the, the path you chose to walk, Lord, for us, that you... You had miracles and you had messages, Lord God. But God, I pray for the moments. God, I pray more of your people in this room today, Lord God, will get those moments. Those moments with you. Those moments where we make decisions. To remove old chains. To stop being dragged around by old stuff. And we chain ourselves to you. To your word, to your truth. And every little link in that chain, Lord God. Just become more and more truth that we need to live by. Father God, I want you to move in such a mighty way. Right now, starting right now, Lord God. But you keep moving throughout this whole week, Lord God, with every decision and every choice we've got to make. With every encounter we come into. God, I pray that this does not be a a moment of of good feeling, a moment of, 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 of excitement, a moment of emotion. But Lord, today become a choice it will become tomorrow's habit that will become yesterday or the next day's automation in our walk with you, Lord God. God, I pray that we surrender. We give you complete control, Lord. Lord, we read your word. We study your word. We find out what it is and how it is you want us to be. And, and, and we surrender to it. Even when we don't understand it, as Paul said, I, I, I don't know why I'm here, but he's chosen to keep me here. Lord, move in such a mighty way. Move. Move. Move beyond the words I can speak, Lord God. God, you speak to the heart. Speak to the mind. Speak to the soul. In your great name, amen.